My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. My guest today is Ron Smith. Ron's an entrepreneur and described as a, a true pioneer in the HVAC industry. He started his first company in 1961 with a loan of $500 from a bank, built it into a $15 million company. He later built and sold multiple businesses, 14 in all. In 1985, he founded Service America, the first national HVAC franchiser. Now he consults. He's an author of five books, and we're absolutely privileged to have him on the podcast this morning. Good morning. This is Mark Madison on Books and People, and I am absolutely delighted to introduce our guest today, Ron Smith. Ron, how are you? I'm doing fine, Mark. How are you? Oh, if I was doing any better, I'd be twins. You know, <laughs> I, I, I grabbed your book this morning, and I went back through it again, HVAC Spells Wealth, and I, I just I okay. forgot how much great information was in there, but I was trying to remember when we met. Was it in Baltimore in 2002? I don't remember. I, I mean, we've met many times, and, uh, and and it was a little while ago. I do know that. I just, uh, but I don't know um, where it was or for sure what the event was. I just remember kind of always knowing you, and we always see each other at these events. So you, I tease you. I, I, I tell people you're the godfather of air conditioning, and I know you don't like that because you're a humble guy, but uh, you grew up in the <laughs> midst of the Depression. I did. And at 13 years old, you set a goal. You made a decision. Would you like to tell us about that? Well, uh, yes, I, I can. I, I can remember it just as plain today. I was a, I was a school crossing. Well, first is I grew up in Appalachia, so I knew what poor was. All we had was uh, poor soil, poor people, and coal. Mm. And uh, <laughs> when I was in, uh, when I was in, uh, I guess I was in great, uh, maybe. I don't know, middle school or something. I was a school guard. That's one of those guys that stands out there at another intersection yeah. and holds a pole out in the road with a flag on it. Yeah, you're important. And I, I was doing that. And I was thinking, you know, this is kind of crazy. I live here. Uh, everybody's poor. <clears throat> There's nobody that even that is, is successful in anything. And on top of that, they just stay here. And they just put, but you know, the, the people, the number of people in the home continues to uh, get bigger because nobody leaves. I just move in. And right. I thought, you know, I'm not going to be like this. I'm going to get out of here. And I was in the eighth grade at that time. So I started working on that while I was in school. And when I graduated from high school uh, in 1954, two weeks later, I was working for the FBI in Washington, D.C. It mm. all started it with me. Just making that conscious decision, I'm going to make something different out of my life. Yeah, and you said you wanted to be a millionaire, but you said you didn't really know what a millionaire was, but you knew that's what you wanted. Yeah, that's right. I'd heard the term. <laughs> Sound like fun to me. <laughs> but then you got to a point where you said, I'm not going to get rich working for somebody else. So you borrowed $500 when you were 28 years old. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. Well, if you want to build wealth, you don't do it being an employee. It took me a long while to figure that out. Right. You need to be an employer and build your own company. 
Uh, so that's what I did. I went down to the bank. I don't know why they loaned me five hundred dollars. I fully <laughs> intend someday to pay them back. Uh, and you started modern <laughs> so, uh, air conditioning. Modern air conditioning. I started that company. I had no employees and no customers. <laughs> but a whole lot of drive and ambition. That was in Florida, right? Fort Myers, Florida. Fort Myers. Yeah. And, and you went through some real challenges. You went through a divorce. You Your top two technicians left. I mean, you couldn't be hit with more adversity. Well, so, yeah. I was starting to wonder, why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> But what was the well, turning point? Well, I, I don't I don't know if I can uh, really put my finger on a turning point other than I, I just never gave up. I was, uh, I, you know, I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of education that I needed to gather, uh, but it was all about determination with me. Is I'm thinking if I work hard at this, and also visit. Uh, successful contractors if i can find some surely there's going to be some in florida i can find some i can pick up ideas from them i joined associations i did everything i thought i could do that could provide me with information and education about the industry and so uh i I just kept doing that yeah it's really obvious i've never stopped (laughs) i know i'm now normally the presenter instead of the listener Well, you did things like, uh, you know, welcome to modern country and, you know, we we, we, our regular hours are 7 to 7, Monday through Friday, 7 to 1 on Saturday, the regular rates. That was a a big deal. Well, we had a theme. Uh, I adopted this theme. And uh, when I say I, I was really going there pretty much at first. And so the theme went like this. Longer service hours at regular service rates. Right. Everything from our postage meter to billboards. And uh, what it meant was just what it said. Call us, we'll be there, and you're not going to pay any overtime. Right. Uh, because uh, as I begin to gather more technicians and get, and get the larger stuff, I was able to put my technicians and my installers and everybody else on, on shifts. So... Uh, you know, I had a shift that come in at 7 o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to come in at 1. I had one to come in at 3 or 4 or something like that. So we never paid any overtime, so we didn't charge any overtime. Right. And uh, it, uh, with the, even back then, in those days, in the uh, 60s, from 60s up through today's, often uh, both uh, adults in the family are working. And right. so they don't know if they got a problem with an air conditioner until they get home at six o'clock at night. Right. And uh, when they start calling air conditioning companies, they get Susie down at the same answering service every time. So we uh, we whipped that by being able to answer the phones ourselves. So I had to have have in people in, inside people on shift as well as the technicians. But uh, I mean that's what really how we that was the first thing that we did that really started growing our business was being available when other companies weren't. Right. Well, the second call- would be service agreements. Yes. I, I sold my first service agreement on my first day in business and never stopped. And you said service agreements are uh, uh, the road to wealth, right? The paved, you said yeah, the road right. to wealth yeah. is paved with service agreements. Correct, yep. Mm-hmm. And why are they so important? 
Well, because you have an ongoing uh, relationship with a customer. You're not just uh, hoping that, uh, uh, and that's a hell of a thing to have to say, but you're not hoping that somebody's air conditioner breaks down so you can get to go to their home. You're right. going to go to their home, in our case, twice a year if we ever hear from them. And we're, going, and we're going to get them to understand that there's other products and services we have that can make them more comfortable, their entire, everybody in the house more comfortable, and could also at the same time save them money. And that's what service companies do. Yeah, you perform that service as you should. There are people that sell service agreements, but when they show up, they don't do much. Right. When we went out, we we when we got there, we were everybody was trained that the first thing you do is you ask the customers to go out with you to look at the air conditioner, the outdoor unit, right. and you do that, and and they look at it with you, and then and then you you do your work inside and outside, uh, and along with other things, we did cosmetics. Sometimes the cosmetics tend to uh, be perceived as more value than what, you know, going in and moving things around like you should and all that. So we reached the outdoor unit on every tune-up. We always changed the air filters on all tune-ups. We just did things that other people didn't do. And we talked to them about other products and services that we had <laughs> that could once again make them more comfortable or save them money. Well, it also gave you a chance to build relationships with the customers. So when it came time for them to buy a new unit, they're not going anywhere else because they already like and trust yeah. you. Yeah. In fact, and this was in the book that you referred to, HVAC spells well, which incidentally is the largest selling uh, book ever in the HVAC industry. We have shipped those to almost 50 countries. It's all written in English, but we've shipped it to almost 50 countries around the world. And it's by far the biggest seller. But um, anyway. Well, I, Ron, I remember book. with great affection poking you in the chest 15 years ago saying, look, when are you going to write a book? Okay. <laughs> if I can write a book, you can write a book. I flunked high school English for crying out loud. I said, you've forgotten more than the rest of these guys know about building a business. And you go, okay, quit I, bugging me. I now me. have five books on the market. <laughs> Did you ever think you would become an author when you were a kid? No, I didn't. I never, never even thought about it. Standing there at the crossing guard thinking, huh, someday I'll have five books. Nah. <laughs> I don't think so. Now, your guys are all also really well trained. One of the things you say in the book is training is management's greatest responsibility. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's right. I didn't say that. And I still believe it. In fact, the book you talked about, HVAC Spells Wealth, uh, there's quite a bit of information in there about training. Yes. And for anybody that has that book, or if I don't have it, they certainly can get it by going to our website, which is uh, ronsmithhvac.com, or just go to Amazon, click on store, either way. Yeah. And uh, on the training, I talk about uh, the number of hours. We, we like to have train everybody in the company a minimum of 100 100 to 120 hours a year. Awesome. <clears throat> and we put out every quarter, every calendar quarter, we put out a training calendar for the following quarter. It was, if, it was, if it was a quarter beginning April, they would have it about mid-March. And in that, uh, in that calendar, it's going to, it's going to indicate uh, the dates that we're going to train, which is always on Tuesday mornings. And the reason we train on Tuesday mornings Mark, is we want to train early in the week 
so they have the opportunity to, to practice what we train on, but we don't want to train on Monday because Monday in some companies is a chaotic day. Right. Cleaning up the weekend. So I stay away from that. A lot of companies train on Friday because they pass their checks out on Friday. But we didn't do that because the train people on Friday, you give them a great opportunity over the weekends of forgetting everything you, you told them. Right. So it's all about application. Yeah. So we don't do that. And uh, so anyway, we uh, we uh, indicate uh, uh, the date, which is always a Tuesday, that we're going to train first thing in the morning. Uh, and we want to do it first thing in the morning because we, when we started, we trained in the evenings. And I found out some of the people were worn out when they got in the training room, not to mention the fact some of them didn't get there because they were still working. So we always do it on Tuesday morning, first thing in the day. They're paid, of course. I mean, that's just, you, you pay them the regular pay. Right. And um, that sends a signal that it's important. And most of my training was done by my my own coworkers. Once in a while, we would allow, we would bring a trainer in, a professional trainer, uh, or we have, maybe would have a manufacturer come in. A manufacturer would come in. Some of the manufacturers can do pretty good training, but they always have to remember, and they do remember, that they're there to really sell. Right. Training. And uh, so anyway, we might have to put the training on our own people. So uh, as an example, I might call a technician, and let's say I call Ken Barheit, who was one of my techs, and I say, Ken, in three weeks you're going to be training on metering devices. Expansion valves would be an example. And so be prepared, because you're going to be that guy training, and you'll be training your peers. You don't want to get up there and embarrass yourself. So the next three weeks, please. He's learning everything he can about metering devices, and he does the training. As a result, he uh, is now capable of getting in front of anybody and training, no matter where he is or what he's training on, because he's done it under his belt. He realizes he's it instantly improved his uh, his self uh, self worth. So, um, well, it's anyway, also there's a lot of other tips I could give you regarding training. Well, it's it's dual plane learning too. In order to teach it, you have to really know it inside and out, and it builds your confidence, it builds your knowledge base, and you're sharing the information that's going to help these guys take it to the next level. Yeah, that's all right. One of my favorite quotes from the book is: "Whenever the change, with the rate of change on the outside of your company exceeds the rate of change on the inside of your company, the end is in sight." That's right. That is exactly right. I love that quote because it's really saying if you're not constantly getting better, you're by default getting worse. It's just a matter of time. Every time I got on a plane, I would try to think of something that I could say that nobody else had said before, as far as I knew. And then I would would write it down. I'd remember it in my next book. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I I do the same thing. You also quote Tom Peters uh, from his 1982 book, In Search of Excellence. You, you talked about MBWA. Would you like to explain that? MBWA. Management by, by walking, walking around. around. So you're just walking around, and you're stopping and chatting with people that are working with you. I always hate to say for you, but working with you. Right. And uh, you just spend a few minutes. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a period of recognition for those people. Because the right. boss stopped by and talked to me and asked me what I'm doing. And how I do it, and all that kind of stuff. 
And uh, I, I think it really goes a long ways. But uh, I didn't invent that one. That was Tom Peters. He yeah. invented a lot of other stuff as well, of course. <clears throat> he was a brilliant guy. I remember hearing him speak in the 90s, just being blown away by how much he knew. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So there's been a lot of good ones. You've been married to Betty for how many years? Exactly 50. So it looks like you're going to make it. There's well, that's uh, the, the odds are yes. <laughs> and you married up. I mean, I know, I know, Betty. You married way up, my friend. I I did. I married way up. <laughs> yeah, out of boy. Yeah, punted the coverage. So well, I I learned with a first marriage, you got to marry up. <laughs> well, you know, you got a you got a chance to do it right the next time. Yeah, that's besides, right. Besides your wife, who's clearly an asset to your business, who are your mentors coming up? Uh, who were my mentors? Well, uh, one of them was my uh, first territory manager. He worked for Lennox. His name was Clay Hewitt. And uh, he wouldn't be recognized as a national trainer, but he was a one-on-one trainer for whatever contractor he happened to be visiting with at that time. And then uh, then I, after that, I became a trainer dealer. And then Jack Lapp, L-A-P-P, did the same thing, but he took it a, a little, little, little farther. And then, uh, oh my guy, uh, I sat uh, and listened to, uh, and this is, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this guy, but uh, you remember Doc Rusk? Yes. Some of us guys has been around long enough can remember Doc, Doc Rusk. We can remember Tom Mutz, who unfortunately was burned up in Indianapolis in a hotel fire. And uh, I mean, several others. Um, but you yes, were really a question a I hadn't even thought about in a long while. So I, I would, uh, coming back next week, I have a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> what, what advice would you offer contractors who are just starting out? Okay. One thing I would do, I, I would not be as concerned about the brand of equipment as I would be, what can they provide in the way of training and support? <clears throat> um, do they have a territory manager or whatever they, whatever that company may call their person that comes out and calls on you in some kind of uh, regular frequency? Can, right. Has this person got experience in this industry? Does he really know the industry and can he help? The other thing I would do, I would start visiting other contractors. I'd be looking around uh, and, and what I found out was, you know, most people will tell you, you're not going to learn anything from a contractor that's close to you because they, they're, they're not going to share. Right. That's not necessarily true. There are contractors out there that uh, uh, they're just willing to share anything to help you. It, now, you got to pick the right ones. Right. But if you visit some of those companies, you're, you're going to find the ones that you can learn from. There's plenty of them out there, and a lot of them are more than willing to share their information with you. So uh, that's a good one. A friendly competitor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's good for everybody. You know, you need a good, solid uh, competitor to say, yeah, if you hire those guys, they're going to do a good job for you. Well, yeah. It, 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 and, and they probably are not going to be a low-price provider. Exactly. Because they're learning from you that you don't need to be if you're their mentor. Now, you've always been big on setting goals. Why are goals important? Well, you, 
if you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you got there? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Better write that one that down for anybody listening. Somebody yeah. told me that was in Alice in Wonderland, but I never read that one. <laughs> yeah, it's that scene. It's that scene where she's carrying the baby from the weird party, and she comes to the crossroad, and the baby turns into a pig and runs off, and then she sees the Cheshire cat up in the tree. Oh, <laughs> she says, can you tell me which way I should go from here? And the cat says, it depends a great deal on where you want to get to. And she uh -huh. says, well, anywhere will do. He said, well, any road will do. If you just walk far huh. enough, you should be, you're bound to get there. Well, I, I like better than Yogi Berra said. Well, I love Yogi. What did he say about goals? Nah, he was talking about uh, crossroads. What did he say? If you find a cross in the road, take it. Yeah. <laughs> he also said nobody goes to the ballpark anymore. It's way too crowded. Yeah, I know. He said that about a restaurant, too. <laughs> yeah, my favorite one, though, he was I, driving to. You know, I've got a bunch of Yogiisms. I often wonder how many of them he really quoted. Yeah, I think he borrowed that, them. How many really his? <laughs> Well, one of my favorite Yogi stories is he's driving through the Everglades, supposed to meet Whitey Ford for dinner with his wife. And finally, she says, Yogi, admit it, you're lost. He goes, yeah, but we're making great time. <laughs> you got to love Yogi. Come on. Yeah. And then there was, uh, uh, there was a TV commercial one time. Uh, he was getting a haircut. <clears throat> And the guy asked him if he had any money. He said, yeah, I got cash. He said, yeah, it's just like money. <laughs> <laughs> he got called at 2 in the morning. And uh, the guy said, God, I'm sorry, Yogi. Did I wake you up? He said, no, I had to get up to answer the phone anyway. <laughs> you know, he just had a way. Yeah, I know. So let me ask you this question. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as a person who was uh, who was willing to share and uh, went out of his way to do it. Uh, there's a there's a lot of people that consider me uh, their mentor. Right. And and I'm not bragging. It's just I just know that that's a fact. And I hear it a lot. And it's just it really makes me happy to know that I've helped somebody else. Uh, I. Uh, I've done, I made mistakes in my life just like everybody else has, but I've also done a lot of good things. As an example, I've done mission trips for churches all over the all over the world, and uh, I have some places I uh, enjoyed more than other places. But um, it was just really a good feeling to know that you went somewhere and helped somebody else, and I, in more ways than one. Well, and I agree. You've always been really generous. And uh, and I think that's a that's a big part of why you're so successful. Yeah, I'd like to think that I do the same thing too. You know, I I, I try to help as many people as I can every day. And and I have a yep. simple little prayer: help me to be a maximum service to my fellow man today. It's, it's how I start my day <laughs> out. Yep. There's uh, well, you so about oh gosh, five years ago you were presenting, and I stood up and I said, "Hey, so how do I get a copy of your book anyway?" And you started laughing and you go, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Madison, you know, I said, uh, I said, I'm the rock in, in Ron's shoe. So you've already, you've already told us how to get your book, either go on Amazon or go on your website. 
how do they contact yeah. you if they want you to speak or uh, buy any of the other four books that you have besides HVAC spells well? How, do, how does someone well, get a hold of you? Well, first is they could go to the website and they could find that out. But I'd better, it would be better just pick up the phone and call me. My cell phone number, and uh, that's, I mean, I'm a moving target, so cell phone is better. Right. My number is 615-974-9589. That's 615-974-9589. I personally answer every phone call. It might not be today. It might be tomorrow. Right. But it will be soon. I can guarantee you that. And it doesn't have to be that you want me to do something. Uh, it could be call and ask me a question, and I'll give you an answer. Right. Well, I can if vouch anything. for you. You've always answered my calls. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but, you know, hey, you always did. Well, I learned something. That's why. Well, bless your heart. You're, you're a generous dude. I remember getting those cigars from you from Cuba, and I thought, wow, you know, this guy's Mr. Oh. Thoughtful. So I, I guess I, mean, I should go back to Cuba for you. I know. I should send you I should send you with some money and have you bring me back some good ones. So I, I don't need the money. I got enough money to get your cigars. <laughs> I know. Well, Ron, it's always a joy to talk to you, my friend, and I'm going to quote you if from your book, The Real Purpose of a Company is to Get and Keep Customers. And I think you've done That's right. You've done a fantastic job of doing that, you know, first with building modern into one of the finest companies in the country, but then, you know, franchising and service America and all the other things you did over the years. But I will say this, when somebody says Ron Smith, you're held in, uh, in the highest regard, my friend. Well, thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. And I'm just proud to call yeah. you my friend. Okay. I appreciate you well, taking we need the time. to spend more time together. Well, I guess, you know, <laughs> we're not getting any younger. Why did you remind me? <laughs> well, I, I, I met a guy years ago. His name was Doug, and he was 92, and he'd done vaudeville. He was one of the funniest guys I ever met. And I said, Doug, how are you today? He said, I'm so old, I don't even buy green bananas anymore. Yep. And then he said, I'm so old, oh, I remember yeah. when the Dead Sea was sick. And I just cracked up, and I thought, that's how I want to be when I grow up. Hmm. And that's how you are, my friend. Thank you, you so see, much for making uh, the time. Did you by any chance watch uh, the president's uh, State of the Union speech last night? I did not. What did I miss? Okay. Well, you didn't miss a whole lot. <laughs> but <laughs> presidents, when they did the State of the Union, they always have some people out there they want to introduce you to. Right. And so he did that. He, he introduced this to, I think, as an 11-year-old kid, something like that that he wants to someday uh, be in the Army or Air Force. I don't remember what. But then he brought his grandfather <laughs> down and brought him down and seated him by the top. His grandfather is exactly 100 years old mm. and was a Tuskegee Airman, if you know what they are. I do, yeah. And so uh, while he was there, the president made him a general. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that's that's because he earned it. A hundred years. Yeah, I know. One of the pioneer African American men in the military. Of course, that's a, that's a no brainer. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. out of Alabama. And I think we ought to make you a general of the air conditioning industry. 
Thank you so much, Ron. Hey, thanks for, thanks for arranging this situation. Great. Of and course, right? And, and you were concerned. Okay. I was. I'm okay now. I know you are. Thanks, my friend. I'll talk to you hey, soon. Hey, thank you for put, putting this uh, together for us. You bet, my friend. Take good care. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.